On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. And we do roll along. Thanks for tuning in. Telling a friend, I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. As we roll along, you're the reason we're here. So many folks, a question I get a lot is, are we going to start a new party? You know, Buddy Holly started the Sunday party here. But I think people are talking about a different kind of party. <clears throat> and uh, some folks look at me on that. I don't know. I do know this. I put West Texas ahead of party. And that's the way that I view things. And maybe it's time for that. I, I don't see... Here's my problem. The Republicans won all these races in rural places. But, you know, if this property tax cap is so great... Why is it not being put down upon rural places? Because rural places can't withstand it. Which may tell you something about urban places. And if they were serious about these caps, these rollback rate election caps, they would um, they'd institute them in rurals, but they can't because they know that rurals are too fragile for them, but the urban somehow can withstand them. And my point over and over again on these caps is to me it signifies a couple of things one it signifies that maybe the GOP sees that their time is running out and if they're going to pass this they got to pass it now maybe I, I look at it and I just have to read it for what it is um the other thing it signifies to me is that if it can work in urban areas, it should work in rural. But also, for every Republican that's going to go on record and vouch for these tax caps, these rollback rate election caps, excuse me, they should. The problem here is outside influence in campaign let's let them have a free and fair election where they live okay well are you guys going to come and speak against these caps when speak against other people rolling in because in places like lubbock county entities like empower texans will roll in here and it will go scorched earth believe me and they will get involved in this election with a lot of outside money flowing in and it's going to be a real problem if these folks who are for the this is how i think it's fair if you're going to be for this you ought to go on record and say that you will decry outside influences coming into counties and cities and trying to sway the vote and they won't do that which is why i find this thing more and more problematic i'm going to write on it soon but I find it problematic. Hey, we are right here in the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash, voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. 
Stop in to one of five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed at racerwash.com. Great show for you ahead. We've got David Yost, the new offensive coordinator for Texas Tech University. We've got him in an interview coming up right here after the break. And then we're going to have Sarah Self Warbrick of the Avalanche Journal for the latest in Ragergate. That's right. It's been a long time since we've gone to Ragergate, but going to have Sarah Self Warbrick talk to us a little bit about what's going on on that front. Full and loaded show for you as we roll along on the program. Stay right where you are. Going to catch a quick break. Get ahead of time so that we can get you this full interview with Coach Yost coming up right here on the other side of Texas. Stay right where you are. Be back with you in about two minutes. Better weather. You stand with a grin to the sound of hailstones hitting It's loud enough you gotta we had uh, David Yost, we pre-recorded this, going to bring it to you now. David Yost, offensive coordinator at Texas Tech University. You know him from the hair, but want to get you to know him even better. The first part of this interview, and I want to apologize for this, a little bit crispy in the internet connection, uh, but it gets better over the first couple of minutes. Just pops a little bit and then stick with it. David Yost, offensive coordinator of your Texas Tech Red Raiders. I hope you really enjoy it because I know I certainly did. David Yost, for you now, the Yost, right here on the other side of Texas. On the line with us now is offensive coordinator at Texas Tech University, a legend in the making, David Yost, Coach Yost, let me start here. How does it feel that you've not even stepped onto the Big 12 field of play and you've already beat Mike Gundy in the best hair category? Well, I, I don't know if I've got the uh, – I don't know if I've beat him yet, but uh, I'll work toward that. But, no, it's uh, excited to be here and uh, can't wait to get the, the football rolling. Yeah, we're glad that uh, you made time to be on the program I think consensus is you've already beat Mike Gundy in the hair category. Now, what happens on the field, we'll, we'll see, but uh, at least in the hair category. Tell us about the hair. That's the first thing folks will look at and say, wow. Uh, what what began with the hair legacy here? Well, it's, uh, I mean, I always, I liked having long hair when I was a kid. I always kind of had it and used to, my dad would take me every, the first day school was out every year, you go and get a buzz cut back at the at the local barber barbershop back in Carrollton, Ohio and that and I despised it and was always very upset about it and that so when I kind of got a chance to grow my hair the way I wanted to I started wearing long hair and then as I got into the out of college and kind of the freshman world I, I wore it a little bit shorter and uh in that way and then kind of trying to find something to kind of stand out in the recruiting uh game and everything and tried some different things wore a visor for a while then that kind of became popular with other people uh outfits trying to be a little bit different that way so, so you set the visor out, so trend. standing at a practice uh no i didn't i don't know if he said but i tried it early on this was back in the early uh, the late 90s i kind of got into that and then 
once we went to Missouri, I was kind of a visor guy, and then I decided, nope, I'm going to let the hair grow out and that way. So about 2003, I said, nope, I'm going to grow my hair out, grew it out, um, let it, <laughs> got it blonded up a little bit. My, I, I was blonde when I was younger, and it kind of darker as I got older. Now I'm a, a natural blonde um, in that way. So kind of started growing it out long, and it kind of stuck and kind of gave me a little bit of a, a niche and people recognize you and remember you and in recruiting that's a big part of it that you kind of stand out as opposed to other coaches and everything I mean you want to stand out for your your play on the field and your your team and all that but in the recruiting game you want to stand out in any way possible yeah uh, coach David Yost with us here on other side of Texas the day before and the day of the big presser on December 1 uh, the big rollout of you and Coach Wells and the crew. I was a little bit concerned because the wind was like at 60 miles per hour plus the day before and the day of. And matter of fact, I believe you guys were flying down in jets. I was uh, getting awfully concerned. How was that first impression? Oh, it was, uh, we landed actually, the, when we landed, it was beautiful. And, oh, really? Uh, beautiful good. blue skies and no wind. And then they, it was interesting. I, I mean, I've heard about how you can get wind out here and how that kind of occurs. Um, I've worked with uh, guys at other places that played here and coached here and that in my time, especially at Washington State. So they'd always talk about stories of it. And uh, that we were standing there on the tarmac kind of talking and visiting with different people. And all of a sudden someone said, hey, there comes the wind. And I was like, <laughs> I've never actually had anybody pointed out in that way. And kind of looked over and you could kind of see the – you can see that like the fog or the dust is kind of off in the the distance and everything and i was like oh okay this must be what they kind of talk about and then we got on campus and there were a couple spots you turned on campus when we were walking around taking a tour of the place and that uh it hit you and it, it was pretty strong and everything and that but uh no it was uh it was interesting but every every place has kind of it, its thing i mean my first day when i got to utah it snowed 21 inches and mm. it dropped to minus 22 and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is what you got. Uh, when I got to Oregon, I, I didn't see the sun for three months after I got there in January. Um, and that was the only reason I saw the sun was because I, I went back to Pullman to see my family. So um, every place has kind of got their thing, and it's part of uh, part of being there, but it's kind of part of the, the special of, of the place you're at. Tell me, um, we like to talk about the place that we're at here. I appreciate that. Uh, uh the past couple of months uh, you have kiddos coach got three uh three i got a 12 year old daughter a 10 year old son and an eight year old son okay and what have the past couple of months been like for the yost household well it's uh right now it's a lot of house showings trying to sell a house and um it was uh there's excitement most of the time a high percentage of the time there's excitement about moving to lubbock and coming down here and being part of the texas tech family um, and then every now and then uh, they realize that their friends aren't moving with them, or not all their friends are. Uh, a decent amount are because our staff and they're friends with a lot of the other kids on the staff, and we have a lot of kids on the staff that are in the, in the same age groups and that, so that's that's positive, but not not everybody in Logan, Utah is moving here with us, so they kind of remember that, that this guy or this girl is not going to be in their classes anymore, and that, then, you know, that's all part of, moving around in that and doing doing that is hard on the kids or hard on the family and everything but it's amazing how resilient they are and 
all three of my kids uh, are into sports, basketball, soccer. Uh, boys played baseball last year. Daughter wants to get back into volleyball. She's done tennis. She's done all kinds of things. So it's amazing how many friends they make really quick when you put them on a sports team and all that. So that's always been a real positive and real helps in the transition. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me some West Texas Lubbock observations, quirks, customs, traits you've noticed, uh, things you've kind of scratched your head about and things you've enjoyed. Well, it's just, uh, I mean, you get here and you, one of the first things they talk about is Lubbock. It's kind of a, I mean, it's, it's really a big, it's a city. It's not a, it's not a, we wouldn't call it a college town. I've been in college towns and, um, now I think it's college town as far as how it supports and how we're kind of the, the big game in town that way. But it's, uh, I mean, there's everything here that way. And everybody says, well, you can get anywhere in Lubbock in 20 minutes. And I mean, I've heard that other places you kind of hear that about, but I've, I've done it. Uh, I'm, we're in the process of buying a house down South in the kind of the Cooper school district area. And it takes me about 19 minutes to drive from my house to get on campus. And, I've, I mean, get to the airport, it doesn't take you that long, but I mean, you head out to any of the high schools and you head out to Friendship, it's about a 20 minute drive from campus. If you head to this way, so that kind of, that holds true and it's kind of a neat deal. And I've done it at five, 5.30 in the afternoon and I've done it at 6 a.m. in the morning. And it always seems like it's about the same amount of time. So it, there's not a lot of traffic issues, which is, is nice. I've been, I've been places where they have been, and I've been places where it, recruiting where it's really bad. With a, you're in the biggest parking lot in America, in California, some days. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, but the the how hospitable and how kind of open the uh, everybody here in Lubbock is, especially the fans. Um, about they're so passionate about their program, about the about the school, about the sports teams, and how excited they are that we're here to kind of try to get things going the way and make them proud of their their football team and that and and all the and so many of the other sports are right now kind of really hitting it i mean from i mean basketball their run last year they made and kind of this year being a, a consistent top 25 team and um and that to our baseball team being nationally ranked to our track team being nationally ranked i i heard last night at a event how our volleyball team had its best season in the last 17 years and all that. So, so many things are going in the right direction that that's what we want to do with the football team. Just get it, get it going in the right direction to give everybody something to be really excited and uh, proud of and uh, get behind in that way. But just the people here have been so nice and uh, genuine and they come up and they, they say hi and they're glad that we're, we're here um, and just want us to be successful and all that. And it's, it comes across very, uh, very personal and makes you feel kind of welcomed in in that way so that's been a lot of fun but i think that's kind of the hospitality out here in west texas coach what do you drive uh right now i'm uh i have a jeep wrangler four door a big old white jeep that i've added uh it's it's my little toy there the, the reason you i added? bought a jeep was uh well i've got big tires on it uh big kevlar tires got new rims got Mm. Um, put a little different sticker on it, changed the bumpers, redid the inside a couple times, new different headlights, all the different lights. I, the the Jeeps are the most accessorizable uh, <laughs> vehicle out there, and I've I've tried to do as much as I can to it. So, so it's the my, top it's down in the summer. I drive around. Uh, I attempt to do that whenever I can. My uh, I like it down 
my family kind of goes with the idea that their hair blows and the sun's too hot sometimes. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I take the front off and kind of leave the back on. They can all sit in the back. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, I moved away for a decade uh, back in 2002, then moved back. And I, I tell you what really took me by surprise is to re-enter Lubbock was that the streets are like runways with stripes on them, straight squares, uh, seven-lane roads on the on the main roads, especially inside the loop. And the other thing I had to get used to was the loop and how sometimes you exit first and sometimes you enter first. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, it's uh, interesting. And then just the whole the other thing about the, the Texas, and this is something that you you don't find other places um the outer road or the kind of the side road that's always along the, yeah, the frontage road the interstates yeah. the frontage roads that's that's not everywhere in the united states and like when i first got here and i'd seen it because i'd i'd been down in texas a decent amount recruiting over time being at missouri and when i was in oregon i recruited down here um and we did it a little bit at utah state but some of our coaches are like what is i'm like this is the this is like the outer road. You can take this and jump on and off the the interstate of the loop, kind of in a lot of spots. And they're like, oh, and then the, like the instant turnarounds, the little U-turn deals, where if you take the most inside, you can loop to get to the other side quicker mm-hmm. than that. But it says the light. It's, but it's it's just very well laid out, that so you can get around easy. And there was a plan to it. And we've got a lot of space out here, a lot of land. So instead of being all scrunched together, we've got we kind of spread things out and let it. Uh, but you have some room to move around. So if David Yost walks into a bar, uh, when am I going to buy you? What uh, you probably a uh, uh, Diet Coke is pretty much my, oh, yeah? <laughs> about as strong as I get. Your go-to? Oh, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Diet Coke guy. I drink about two to three liters a day. <laughs> wow. Which I know that's not good for me, but it, it keeps me moving. <laughs> yeah? Okay, so not the Red Bull. Not not the whole Nixon no, route. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I've never had a I've never had a Red Bull or one of the Kickstarters or any of those things, and other people have, and that's great. I just I've always been a kind of been a Diet Coke guy since about 2005, and I I drink it pretty hard. Yeah, I I do as well, my friend. Except I might be <laughs> drinking that with a little bit of Jack at the bar. Uh, what are we going to call your offense? Uh, we're going to score a touchdown oh, and say know. we yosted you, or I mean, what are we going to say here? Just, I, I'll let you guys take care of that. We're just the Texas Tech offense. That's a Red Raider offense is kind of uh, my my thing. I've heard a lot of other people's observations of it, and whatever kind of sticks and whatever the media goes with, that'll probably be what it is. Well, what have, what have they called it before out. in the Great Northwest? What have they called your offenses? Give us give uh, us some building blocks I mean, I to work know. off of. <laughs> I, I, at Utah State, they didn't really. Uh, I don't think it was just kind of the uh, Aggie offense, and then at Missouri when I was coordinated, it was just uh, really uh, Mizzou's, Mizzou offense. I yeah, mean, that's back when we didn't like you, David Yost, at Missouri. I I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like Texas Tech then either. A couple times, so <laughs> that was that was a mutual <laughs> dislike. But uh, no, we're just. I mean, we're a spread. Uh, we're kind of a spread option. I mean, we got the. Uh, we got parts of the air raid in our in our passing game. We've got parts of the, uh, the kind of the triple or spread option attack, the kind of the Oregon stuff that way. And 
um, the spread from Missouri and kind of how we try to spread the field vertically and horizontally, horizontally across the field. So, nope, it's a, it's a lot of speed, and we're a speed tempo team, so speed and trying to create space. So It's going to be fast. That's like, kind of who we are. That's, if, if the NCAA said, we're going to give you 15 seconds on the clock, would you be fine with that? Yep, we should have it off. Uh, some of our slow down things that we do every time. So you throw a slow ball every once in a while, but what yep. what do you expect in tempo wise from snap to snap? How many seconds? Uh, well, it it kind of varies on what happens on the play, and just by doing this as long as we have, there's certain things, there's certain times we go, and we've snapped it as high as 34 on the clock, so six seconds mm-hmm. uh, after the previous play, um, and that. But normally we're almost always uh, we're almost always about 26 when we're going when we're in our tempo and normally it's close and we're pretty consistent at 28 but i mean about half of our snaps last year when we were in our true tempo mode were uh 30 or above so i mean we 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 can crank it up a little bit and do that and uh ed starts and the kids do it i mean that's the biggest learning part we're going to do at the beginning here of spring is getting the, the kids to understand that how you take advantage of the, the tempo. Who do you flip the ball to after the play? How does the, the line, how do you know? You mean flip it to, to a go? referee? To get yes. A, you to flip get... it to the, you flip it to an in, uh, you flip it to the referee inside the hash. Hmm. Don't flip it to the guys out by the numbers. All they do is catch it and then they have to throw it to somebody else or they don't catch it because they're marking your spot. They're the guys that mark the, mark from the side so don't flip them the ball flip it inside and then uh the center kind of sets the tone and he uh hustles up and gets to a kind of a position and he knows that and so, and they will get to the point where the center actually has his feet set before the ball is set down and, Look, and we've we've actually coached our guys before to flip it to the center if he is there because he'll get to the right spot and kind of hand it to the official as he gets there and then we can go as fast as they allow us the guys are telling me, David Yost here on the other side of Texas, telling me Carrollton, Ohio, 3,200 people. Is that a, a rural place or is that a it's suburb? It's a very rural place. Yeah. Does no, that help you then in Texas where Friday nights are blinding out here on the plains? Does that help you go in and understand, have an initial culture of the town and what, what the guys are going to be like? Yeah, I think, and I'm in my area, my recruiting area is actually I'm assigned to. I've got West Texas, so and it's, I mean, there's a lot of the stuff that reminds me of kind of growing up there. I mean, football was really, really important. I mean, it was Friday night was the town was pretty much shut down and everybody's at the game, and mm-hmm. that's how it kind of went. And um, now, in the state of Texas, it's it's a level up on every other state, and if you've never been out of the state. You won't understand that, but it's, uh, I mean, when you want to go see a high school coach at a school, you stop by the school, you normally go to the field house, and there he is, or, I mean, really what you do is you go to the field house, and there's a football coach. Um, Most other states, you go to even the best schools in the state, you go to the school, and you go to the front office, and they see if he's done with biology class, or he's out of history class, or if he's available because this is his prep period it's just a and how the the state kind of views football and makes it a makes it a big deal but makes it important and then the facilities and and the the effort they put into making football special i mean it goes a long way and i think it's why it's so important why it's so 
good down here. Yeah. That's why there's so many football players. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Um, tell me, you spent some time with Coach Leach. Uh, Coach Leach is thought well of by and large uh, out here in the listening audience. What's your best Mike Leach story? What's what's your go-to story with Coach Leach? Oh, there are so many, but <laughs> um, probably the uh, uh, just in how dealing with him, he he kind of lives in a different world. Um, so we were recruiting a uh, quarterback down in Florida, and it was uh, early part of January, right when we got back on the road. And, he flew in from Key West to meet me um, that night. And he was flying in like the, the night before. I was flying in the night before. But I was flying in from Pullman, Washington. He was flying in from Key West, where he'd been since our bowl game. Um, and that, and I land and I, I sent him a text because I've got the rental car. And I said, hey, do you need the rental car? Because um, he had landed before me. And he texted me back. He said, no, I'm in South Beach with some friends having dinner. And I said, okay. And then we talked about what time we're going to meet up tomorrow. And uh, kind of go see the uh, our recruit uh, at the school and then go to his house that night for dinner. Um, and then the next, so he said he's good. I, I head to the hotel and go to bed. Next morning, get up. We uh, I had some schools in the morning, some of the schools we have recruits at, and I come pick him up at the hotel. And I said, hey, how'd everything go last night? And he goes, it was always good. I was down at South Beach having dinner with a friend of mine, Peter Berg, you know, the, the director and this is Coach Lee talking, the, the director of Friday Night Lights, and, and he came to our USC game, and he, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember Coach. And he goes, yeah, he's doing a new show for HBO and that down here. It's like, I guess it's about, like, sports agents or something. I was like, oh, this is before it's been out, or even kind of mm-hmm. I knew anything about it. And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah, we had dinner with, uh, I think his name's The Rock, and then uh, it was Ray <laughs> Lewis, and he goes, Ray Lewis and uh, Mike Ditka. So he was having dinner with Peter Berg, a phenomenal director, The Rock, who's as big a star on the planet as there is, uh, Ray Lewis, Mike Ditka. And I'm thinking, I was eating combos in my room last night when I landed <laughs> from the airport and got from the airport. But And that's just what he, I mean, and to him, that was no big deal. That's just, well, that's just dinner. That's just and everything. dinner. So, no, that's just what he does so no he, he he's very he is a very very intelligent smart guy and he looks at football through kind of different a different lens which I think really helped me in my three years being with him of kind of seeing it that way and I asked a ton of questions and and probably wore him out a little bit on questions but we uh, we used to sit in the uh, dry sauna every night after practice and after we watched a video for about 30 minutes and and talk and just kind of I just asked questions and we just kind of talked about uh, football or how he put all this together or why we do it this way or why we do that or, and those things and it was a really educational time for me it gave me a lot of a, kind of a different perspective after being 17 years with Gary Pinkle who is kind of my mentor and the guy that I pattern most of what I do off of mm-hmm. he kind of gave me a, a really a different view of football and how things can work well, Coach Yost, you've been so gracious with your time to come here and join us. I know a lot of people are getting those big envelopes in the mail like we are for our eight season tickets. And I know a lot of people are renewing because they're excited, and I think you're a part of that excitement for sure. I appreciate you making time, Coach. 
Well, thank you. And anytime, anytime I can be on, let us know. I'd love to love kind of talking and sharing and, and everything, but we're so excited to be here and just want to uh, get on the football field and start to put this, to put this all together and get things rolling in the, uh, the direction we know it can go. Yeah, for sure. I want you to just start making notes of your West Texas observations and, Feel free to come on the show anytime and share with us. Okay. It's certainly been enjoyable. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. Bye. There he is, David Yost, new offensive coordinator, legend in the making. Glad to have him on. We're going to go to a quickie break and uh, don't change that dial because we got some Regent Gate update coming up with Sarah Self Warbrick of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal coming up right here after this break. Stick with us right here on the other side of Texas. Shake the dirt off your shoes, come over, take a seat. Knock that chill off your bones. Got food on the fire, can I get you some to eat? Make yourself at home, yeah, I'm on the run. I'm looking out, searching for something that I still care about. I'm looking up to the sky. phone lines going off while we're interviewing David Yost not a live interview so wasn't able to break in and uh, get you guys on air appreciate you being willing to ask the coach questions you can always text the questions in as always on the program 806-745-5800 what does he make of the recruiting class is a question that Greg had to ask. And, again, he was not live, so I couldn't ask him about it. I think Tech landed at, like, number 65 in mid-60s there on the recruiting charts. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I, I won't speak for him. I don't, I don't know how... He felt about that, but I do know that coming up, we've got Sarah Self Warbrick of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Always glad to have Sarah Self Warbrick on the program. Going to cover a little bit of Regent Gate, and uh, Sarah, how are you? I am doing well. How are you today? Glad to have you back on. Of course. Um, uh, spared you the Regent Gate music. Um, because we're trying to work towards a resolution at least that's my understanding uh tell me what's going on here well it has been um one thing after another this week um per every week for the past six months it seems um but we um council for rager dykes this week asked for a global a court court mandated global mediation meeting um, so far, everyone has opposed to it, but um, it's going. They're working it out. Who's, who's everyone? Um, last check, it was Ford Credit, Gulf States Toyota, First Bank and Trust. I'm pulling it up. Those were yesterday's. Those are the big ones right now. But yeah. basically, everyone's objection is that, you know, so that in this global mediation meeting, it would be all of the key creditors, that's dozens of people, um, coming together to meet with the Rager Dykes Council 
Uh, and everyone's objection is basically that everyone's problems are uh, too different to get this done in just one uh, fail swoop of a meeting. Or they, I think Ford called it a shotgun approach. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. There was a court hearing yesterday to try to figure um, out what to do next. During that, Rager Dykes counsel said that they are talking with Ford and trying to get them to come around to um, have this meeting. But we'll see. They ended up putting it off until next Thursday for sure. Okay. So where does that leave us now? That leaves us um, with a bunch of small developments this week that didn't turn out to much. <laughs> so um, I think another key thing about this global mediation is that um, in the filing requesting it, um, it says that Mark McDougal is in, will attend this meeting at least. Um, as we talked about last week, um, Mark has said that he is out, um, but kind of going a little back and forth on that. So um, that was a key development um, for this global mediation meeting as well. Yeah, what kind of role does he play in this now? He could defuse the whole situation or? Well, um, we'll see. I mean, really the reorganization plan that was proposed um, initially in November, finally filed in January, doesn't really work without Mark McDougall and his capital more than anything. Um, and so having him back in the mix to hopefully work towards um, this global mediation and a successful exit from the Chapter 11 bankruptcies is really crucial. So um, good sign for Rager Dykes that he um, that Mark is willing to come back um, and at least talk. But, um, again, at this point, it seems like everybody's kind of fed up. Um, all of the creditors, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the customers I've spoken with in the past um, two weeks as well. But, I mean, that's kind of the theme right now is, you know, we're six months into this and everyone is just frustrated yeah, and kind I mean, of fed up with everything. Isn't it hard to believe that it's already six months? So uh, You're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here we are, and I, I do believe that six months ago we were speaking about this, and we said that you can expect this to roll out to a year or two years. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I mean, we still we have those court dates that, that are set for – yeah, we have court dates still set um, for next year in 2020. We'll see if it actually goes through. So um, other small updates this week. Um, in the civil case of Ford Credit versus um, Rick Dykes and Bart Rager, um, the judge, Sam Cummings, came back today to say that um, he was going to consider a summary judgment, which would mean that we don't go to court at all in that. Um, so basically um, counsel for Dykes and Rager said that just, there were still too many unanswered questions. They didn't feel like a summary judgment would be very fair, at least not at this point. Um, and Cummings disagreed <laughs> and said that he would consider moving forward with that summary judgment. So that's a pretty big update as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what does that mean exactly? What part? Well, that the summary judgment wouldn't necessarily stand. Um. That's a good question. I mean, I think that um, the big thing is if we move to a summary judgment, that takes out a lot of the discovery period, trying to get all these facts straight. So, again, we're six months in, and there's still so many unanswered questions about what exactly happened to get Rager Dykes in this situation. And so um, I think that that would be one of the major effects that we see if uh, we end up going with that summary judgment versus a full 
trial next year. Yeah. So there are ongoing talks between Mark McDougall and his group. Yes. Between Ford and him right now. Mm-hmm. What What is the desired outcome there? Um. On who's in, Mark or elsewhere? Uh, on the McDougall end. I think. I think all of them. I mean. Yeah, having Rager Dykes exit the bankruptcy and become a viable, um, positive part of the community, not just in Lubbock, but these small towns that lost a lot when, you know, the car Yeah, but they're never closed. coming back in those small towns. Well, okay, that's a great point. But, I mean, I think the motive here is that um, there's still some potential here, and in theory it would be good for um, these communities to get this back um but again i mean i think everyone's just fed up <laughs> and with where we're at in this situation right now and yeah, but, so, so i don't know l- let me ask you this though sarah who then is going to who's going to buy a car from there now we do know in the proposed um rebranding of the McDougal Dykes Ewing Group. They would not be called the McDougal Dykes Ewing Group. Um, one thing I saw suggested um, changing all of the dealerships to Spike Dykes. Um, that's what the Ford dealership in Lamisa is known as. Um, I don't know about that, but um, that's a great question. I, I don't know if it's you know too little, too late, or um, but you know also something that's been interesting that I've kind of been following. Um, I get like a monthly report of where car sales are at for Mm -hmm. the month and um only have data through november right now but so far i mean this hasn't affected uh total car sales in lubbock um it my theory i mean if you're gonna buy a car you're gonna buy a car it doesn't really matter where it's coming from if you're in the market then you're gonna go to who has your car you know and so um i don't know that's a really hard question to answer not gone down or up no they've been virtually unchanged since Rager Dykes filed for bankruptcy on August 1st. Okay. But certainly they have changed at Rager Dykes entities. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, we know that they have been selling some cars at auction, thing like, things like that to generate some revenue. But, I mean, I haven't talked to or heard from a single person who's bought um, since the bankruptcies. I've talked with a lot of people who bought beforehand, though. Um, I had a story yeah, last tell Sunday. Yeah, us about talk- that. Yes, thank you. Um, talking to customers who are still tied up in this, you know, we're six months in. A lot of people um, are still making two car payments because what they traded in was never paid off. They're still driving around with paper tags because they can't get um, the full ones because all their paperwork's not in order. So um, at the last official update we were given in court, uh, Rager Dykes Council said that 41% of tax title and license problems had been resolved and 18% of trade lien balances had been cleared up. That was on January 9th, so over a month ago now. But either way, that leaves about 800 customers dealing with some kind of problems still. So um, I spoke with a few hmm. last week um, who, I mean, again, the general consensus is that everyone's just frustrated. Um, it's A lot of these customers especially, they feel like you know the focus has been on um, the drama and what's going to happen with Ford and things like that when there are real people out there, you know, who are looking for second jobs and um, doing what they can to make ends meet. But this huge financial burden doesn't 
um, affect them any longer than it has to. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's been something that's really stuck with me this week. Um, I spoke with um, four or five people for my story that ran last Sunday, and then people have contacted me since with um, just really unfortunate stories that, you know, um, they're, you know, having to get paper tags every month. Um, I spoke with one woman who paid cash for her car. Um, of the issues that I've heard of that have been resolved, uh, those resolutions came because of the banks that had lended customers money, not necessarily anywhere else. So, um, so these people that paid cash for a vehicle, I mean, I, I unfortunately had to tell her I didn't know um, what kind of resolution could happen in a timely manner for her. So I don't know. It's just, um, you know, again, we're over six months in, and this is still a complicated jigsaw puzzle, as one court filing said this week. Yeah. Sarah Self Warbrick with the latest Avalanche Journal. I get this question a lot uh, from folks who expect me to know, and unfortunately I don't know, mm-hmm. who are worried that they have bad leases. Uh, leases, bad VINs, bad this, bad that. What would be your recommendation to people who are concerned about their leases, who are about to expire, leases that they got from Rigger Dykes? Who should they contact? Yeah. Um, unfor- well, the best person I can tell them to contact is Rager Dykes. Um, from the customers I've talked to, uh, that may not be the most productive or helpful, um, but that's really the only advice I have or at maybe, this point. That's a whole other situation. Maybe the Lubbock DA's office, or, I mean, where would they go? Absolutely. I mean, if that's the angle they want to pursue, uh, they could, but I would start with uh, the restructuring folks who are over at the Rager Dykes headquarters right now um, and then go from there. Yeah, that's a whole, leasing is a whole other mess of an issue in this. Mm. Uh, what else should we know as we get off with you at what the else? latest? Um, I think that's most of it for this week. As I said, we had a lot of kind of minor updates that really didn't amount to um, a whole lot, a lot of um, pushing off, um, moving things to later dates, which is kind of what we've seen throughout this whole case. Um, we do have a pretty eventful court hearing coming up on February 20th. Um, that's also when this um, proposed global mediation meeting, uh, that's when they would like for it to happen. So um, should have some pretty uh, significant developments, hopefully, in the next few weeks. She is Sarah Self-Warbrick, Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We appreciate you making time, giving us the latest Anytime. in Rager Dykes, uh, Rager Gate, as we like to call it around these parts. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll kick you off with a little bit of regular gate drama music. Sarah Self Warbrick, she is at Sarah from AJ there on Twitter. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Thanks, Jay. Have a good weekend. You Bye. as well. Okay, going to get off with Sarah. And then our, our buddy, Daniel, the digital millennial guru, guess where he is? doesn't take you long he's in california he's going to check in with us here as we close out the program stick right with us daniel chiming in on uh western coast time there coastal where he's most comfortable daniel the digital millennial guru will be right back with you here after the break
Daniel the Digital Millennial Guru out on the West Coast and going to get in with him here shortly. So next week for you, we've got on Monday our friend Matt Dotre, Lubbock Avalanche Journal, going to come in and talk about all things Lubbock and the surrounding area and also Curtis Parrish. You may have heard the story that the controller came back, not the comptroller, but the controller came back and said, hey, um, you can only get $24 million off of hotel occupancy taxes. And that's a little bit short of what is widely speculated to be the aim of $50 million. That's not to say that there can't be more private money raised, but that becoming a big story. We'll get Curtis Parrish, the county judge of Lubbock, in to talk about what that means for the Expo Center going forward uh, here on the program. And that will be on Monday. And then on Tuesday, our friend Chris Patty out of East Texas. It's good to see every once in a while some actual rural legislation put together. Things that don't just, like, we're going to just chip away and help our rural schools or you know help us survive but then there's legislation that helps rural regions thrive and chris patty has a good bill up we're going to talk to him on tuesday as well but first we want to get in quickly with our friend daniel the digital millennial guru out on the west coast daniel are you okay have you smoked anything do we need to send somebody for you okay so Things are good, you know. They're smoking some ribs. That's what we're smoking out here. Uh, ribs in um, San Francisco. Oh, I'm in L.A. Oh, uh, okay, so, L.A. Yeah, this is, yeah, there's some barbecue joints around here. Hmm. So. Seems questionable. Yeah. Is it? Have All you eaten place. any beef? Have you? Have you eaten any barbecue out there? Oh, yeah, they got wings, all kinds of stuff. Okay. So, uh, um, what are you out there yeah, for? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, what am I out here for? Yeah. Um, well, uh, Saba was on a jazz album, and her album was nominated for a Grammy. Your wife was nominated for a Grammy, so... Yeah. This just gives you an excuse to go out to the homeland. It does feel like that. Yeah, they didn't have a ticket for me. I'm not cool enough. So you, I'm literally... Just you went out there on your own time. Yeah. To, uh, when are the Grammys? It's it's in L.A. No, but on when? Sunday. On Sunday. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. out there yeah. just doing your own thing. You riding lime scooters or birds or what are you riding? They have spin scooters out here. What? And it's really dangerous. Yeah, this is. I'm I'm driving a, a jeep. It's not a pedestrian friendly place, and it's huge. Like I thought, I was gonna go to this park, and it ended up being like a two hour drive. Hey, it's like you're just crawling through the city forever. Man, you've got a lot yeah. to discover between now and Sunday. Oh, yeah. We're going to get you in here, like, on Tuesday or Wednesday to talk about your experience there on the West Coast. 
Oh man, I, I'd be excited about that. I think uh, you might. There's a chance you could see Saba. You guys tune in. Uh, Taylor texting in. Who is Daniel, oh, yeah. the digital millennial guru? He is the guy who makes. The, if you listen to the show on the podcast, many of you listen on the weekends and otherwise. Uh, he's the guy who puts it up on the podcast, does all the things I don't understand, puts up the funny things on social media there, on our Facebook page, Other Side of Texas, oh, and uh, at OSTX Show on Twitter. Um, hey, listen, I want you to be safe. Yeah. Don't, oh, get, totally, don't get in a van with strangers, and I want you to get back here and to be okay. Don't join a band? No, just don't get oh. in a van. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm good. I have my own car. Okay. This house that I'm in right now has like a million crystals in it. What kind of crystals? It's like full of crystals, man. The healing kind. You point. See this quartz that I'm like holding right now. I point it at my third eye, my chakra, and like fix my sciatica. That's what they're saying. Okay. Just don't smoke yeah. it. Don't smoke it, please. I love this place. Okay. I'll talk to you later, man. I, I do want you to come home. Okay, yeah. I'll be there um, about Tuesday. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. Cool. Have Bye. fun on the West Coast. Okay. Talk to you later some uh, millennial manners there Daniel the digital millennial guru hey you're going to get off on Monday we've got a whole new week of sleep of programs with you here no I'm not going to respond to those texts um, a whole new slate of programs and uh, giving you the inside inform- information on what's going on going to get home got to get home my wife's out of town this weekend so you know that it, I've got a great family and just barely above average dinner to get home to tonight, tomorrow night, Sunday night, and Monday night. I appreciate you t- listening to the program and uh, tuning in and telling your friends that you hang out here on the other side of Texas. Until next time, Jay West, Texas. Lisa, we'll catch you next episode right here on the other side of Texas. Rubberneck and all the outlaws It's who we want to be Belly up and just fake it And two-step operations